Hey man, I wonder how many of us this morning can actually uh, uh, do what we just sang. How, how much of that resonates with you? Are you able to say that um, He is your Lord? Do, do you worship Him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? I wonder. You know, we sing those things, and, and sometimes music can be repetitive, right? We, we sing a verse a few times, and you're like, well, why are we singing this again? But I, when, when we come to worship, I want to make sure that these words are penetrating your heart and you think about what it is that you're singing about, who it is that we're singing to and, and for. So when, when we sing those things, I hope that you were thinking, am I living this out? Is Christ my Lord? Do I serve him with all my heart, mind, and strength? This morning we're going to talk about just that. Is Jesus my Lord? Is he my shepherd? We'll be in Psalm 23, uh, one of the most recognized verses in the Bible. Um, for those who are not aware, I'm Pastor Vaughn, lead teaching pastor here at First Baptist Church. And so it is great to be here to proclaim God's word and to uh, speak his words to you. Um, Psalm 23 has a special place to me in my heart. Um, some of you have heard me tell this story before, but when I was little, my, my granny would, taught me this verse. It was her favorite verse. And from a very young age, you know, she taught it to me. She helped me to memorize it. And we would recite it together. She would quiz me. And we, we had lots of conversation around this particular verse. So I've spent a lot of my alone time with the Lord with this scripture. And again, it's probably one of the best known passages of the Old Testament. A lot of people tend to skip over the Old Testament like, well, that's the, that's the old stuff. We want the new stuff, right? We're just going to spend time in the Gospels and Jesus. That's the most important part, right? Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, all of it is important and it is equally so. And you can't uh, rightly understand the New Testament without the old. So don't, don't, don't skimp on that. You know, we have this uh, yearly reading plan that we're going through currently in the book of Romans. But yes, we start in the Old Testament because there's so many things that are happening in the Old Testament that is referred to in the New or, or things that are happening in the New Testament to contrast what happened in the Old Testament. So we, we really need to have both. As we look here, this is a, a testimony by David of the Lord's faithfulness throughout his life. And it shows, that the, it shows the Lord as, as a shepherd, as a shepherd king and, and as a host. And David uses this imagery to show his personal relationship with the Lord. That's why, you know, I wanted to emphasize the song we just sang. I mean, as you were singing it, is that true for you? Is he your Lord? Unfortunately, with Psalm 23, we typically hear this preached at funerals. However, when the psalmist writes this, he is alive, right? You've got to be alive in order to write. We get that, right? So as the psalmist is writing this while he is alive. And so it's important uh, that we see he talks about what Jesus does all the days of his life, not only in death, 
So many commentaries state that uh, this psalm was likely written later in David's life, probably during the rebellion of Absalom uh, that we read about in 2 Samuel 13 through 19. And so David experienced a lot in his life. If you know who David is, you know his story. There's a lot of things, a man after God's own heart, right? that a lot of things that David went through that, that he experienced. He went through some difficult situations during his long walks with the Lord. And he wasn't always perfect. As a matter of fact, he wasn't close to perfect. But still, he was a man after God's own heart, and God used him mightily and worked through him. So any anyone of any age, when we look at this particular psalm, can benefit from what is written in Psalm 23. But you, uh, those of you who are here today, who have been through some difficulties, those of you who, who are here today, under the sound of my voice, if you've been through some stuff, this will uh, hopefully penetrate your heart. This, this should hopefully be a special place in your heart for this particular scripture. Those of you who are mature in the faith and have fought battles and carry burdens, really resonate with what's being expressed here in Psalm 23. Let's look in your copy of God's Word. Let's look in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. Here God's Word reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for the preservation of your word. Thank you for giving us the ability to come to this place of worship here today and to open up the sacred text that we can, we can sing in our, our adoration and worship of you here today. We can, we can come and talk about uh, what it is that you've written to your people, and we can do so without any fear of anyone breaking down the door and arresting us for doing so. Help us not to take that for granted. Help us to use this time that we can draw closer to you and understand uh, how it is that we ought to live for you. Help us to see how you are our shepherd. Help us to see how we can make you the Lord of our own lives. Father, at this moment, give me the words to say and how to say them. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are in the book of Psalms, uh, Psalm 23. What comes before 23? Numbers are hard. Psalm 22. And so we can't have Psalm 23 without understanding and considering Psalm 22. Why do I say this? This is where we first see 
uh, the Psalm of the Cross in Psalm 23. Thousands of years before Jesus was born, it's foretold that he would die on a cross. He would be crucified uh, uh, between two transgressors and that we would cast lots for his clothes and he would be stabbed in the side. We see all of this prophesied in Psalm 22, and it's only because of the gruesome story of Psalm 22 that we come to Psalm 23 and the blessing that it is for us. When we realize why Jesus came and and what would happen to him and how he would give his life for us, then we come to the Lord is my shepherd. We come to Psalm 23 and the testimony of David, a testimony of the Lord's faithfulness as he looked back on his own life. David is writing based on his experiences as a shepherd himself. When he was a young boy, he was a shepherd boy. And it takes uh, the image that uh, he had as a shepherd and caring for his sheep to represent his relationship with God. We see this shepherd motif throughout the Bible, actually, and especially in the Old Testament, there's an idea of shepherding where they keep flocks and herds, but it's also this idea of shepherding as a metaphor for the people of God uh, being shepherded by God's uh, under-shepherds and God himself. In the New Testament, we see Jesus identify himself as the good shepherd. You'll, You'll see this in John 10 and 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I love the first five words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What's interesting, we read through this, and and, and when we come to something that's so familiar, we tend to, oh, I know this, I know this. Yeah, yeah, I get it. We just rattle it off. But again, let's, let's really immerse ourselves in the text. And we, if we stop at those first few words and say, the Lord is my shepherd, uh, realize that the, the word my is emphasized here. David here has a deeply personal and close relationship with, this, uh, with, with his God. David is not saying that the Lord is everybody's shepherd. He says, the Lord is, is my shepherd. And that's how close he is. And that's the, the relationship that he has. This, this psalm is, is as known universally among believers and unbelievers alike. In fact, I, I would submit that unbelievers, they, they would like to say this as well. They say, well, yeah, of course. And they, they want to believe that the Lord is everybody's shepherd, even if they don't believe in Jesus. They want to hedge their bets and like, well, yeah, he's my shepherd too. That, that's not what David's saying. The Lord is not, in fact, everyone's shepherd. You know, we want to take this verse and say that God's disposition is for all people. However, David isn't making this statement about all people here, is he? He's talking about his relationship with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. If you think about uh, you and, and your family, this is my family. I have a special connection with my wife, with my children, with, with my parents and my, my cousins. These are my friends. We hang out all the time and have these things in, in common. You're not friends with everybody. You're not family with everybody. These are, these are my clothes. They, they fit me, sort of. But I'm wearing them right now. These are, my, these are not your clothes. 
Oh, if you needed my shirt, I'll give it to you off my back. <laughs> but there's, there's a personal relationship that is happening here. David is not even making a statement about all of Israel. King David is making a personal testimony here. The Lord is my shepherd. And not everyone can say that. Matter of fact, not everybody in Israel could say that. Not everybody in this room can say that. Only those who understand Psalm 22 and the redemption that we have in Christ can say the Lord is my shepherd. When you think about the, Christ being the Lord of your life, think of it this way. How is it that you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? You might say you do, but let's test that for a moment. What, what are the priorities in your life? What is, what is it that you think about and, and what trumps one thing over another? If you can't spend one hour a week to worship somebody who you say is Lord of your life, if you can't spare one hour a week, is he really Lord of your life to come and worship him with his people? What, what are the priorities above and beyond that? If there are other priorities above you spending time with uh, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, if there's something that takes priority, that, that prior, the priority is your God. And I'm not being hyperbolic. This is not something that I'm, I'm extending and, and exaggerating. Whatever you choose that is not God is your God. But what is it that you, you choose as opposed to spending 15 minutes at least reading his word. That thing that you chose is more important than God and his word. Is, is, the, is Jesus really the Lord of your life? When we have, this, we have this yearly reading plan that we're going through, and it literally takes 15, if you're a slow reader, it takes you 15 minutes, maybe 20. What is it that you're choosing as opposed to that? Well, I got to go to work. I got to get up and I got to get dressed and I got get to get to my job. Well, get up 15 minutes earlier. Sleep is, is sleep your Lord? Is your job your Lord? Is your family your Lord? A family, that is a good thing. Absolutely. But whenever you choose your family over God, that becomes your God. That is your idol that you've constructed. Is Christ your shepherd? And it's because Jesus Christ because of his blood that, we, that was shared on our behalf, where we were purchased as his people for himself, as sheep to his fold. Only the people who believe that they were redeemed in this way can say that the Lord is my shepherd. And we will see the fruit of that in your life if you truly believe it. John 1 and 11 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the, the will of the flesh, nor of the, the will of man, but of God. So I, I want to take a moment to give you an idea about uh, what it meant to be a shepherd. Uh, and we see this throughout the Bible, and I think we, we kind of get the understanding of what that is and what that looks like. 
But let's dive a little deeper into what this shepherding looks like. So in ancient Israel, the shepherd would work as it was the lowest form of work. If you think about the lowest form of work that we have here today, the last thing that you think about ever doing as a job, that was shepherding in that day. The shepherd would actually live with his sheep 24 hours a day. He didn't get a break. He didn't get a vacation. He didn't go anywhere. He would have complete devotion both day and night, both in good weather and bad weather, and to nurture, he would guide and he would protect his sheep. That was his job. That was his role. The shepherd would assume full responsibility for all the needs of the safety of the flock, even if he meant risking his own life for their protection. And some of these folks were hired hands. So the, 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 the sheep didn't even belong to them, but as a shepherd, they had a role and responsibility to keep and protect them. And I didn't realize this until several years ago when I'm diving deep into this verse and trying to understand it a little bit more. Um, this shepherding theme, uh, the sheep, they're just helpless. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty useless. And not, not only that, but they're defenseless as well. They need somebody to lead them, to provide food and water for them. And they need someone to take care of them when they're uh, bruised or, or sick. They need to be rescued when they wander and stray. They need constant oversight because they would just walk off. They just want to know, oh, they, they see something like going over here. It doesn't matter that the, the herd is going this way. They, they get distracted and start going the other way. It might describe some of us. Sheep don't run fast, so when they are in danger, uh, they, they can try to run as much as they might, but they probably won't get away. They don't have sharp teeth to kind of try to defend themselves. If their wool grows too long without anybody cutting it, they just they fall over and die because they can't get back up. So they need somebody to shear them on a regular basis to ensure that this happened. Sheep are not the brightest animals in the world either. This is incredible when I started to read this and, and understand it. We go through and look at just how all this happens. And so as we look at the, the sheep and, and what they're doing and, and what they're not able to do, um, what we see in the Bible is this, this thing where throughout the Bible, God's people are called sheep. Are you offended by that? To, to be called a, a sheep? And knowing what I just told you about sheep and, and what they are, what they are not, what they're able to do, what they're not able to do, this is how we are. 1 Peter 1 and 18 says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Brothers and sisters, if you uh, don't have the humility to think of yourself like that, then you really don't understand the nature of sin. If you don't understand and, and equate yourself and understand how you are uh, a sheep, then you really don't understand sin and how uh, devious and, 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 and horrible it is on our lives. You know what sin does? Sin takes a sheep and makes him think that he's a wolf. 
Sin takes the, the sheep and who can't survive on his own and makes him think that he's top of the food chain. Sin makes a sheep think he doesn't need a shepherd. I don't need God. I don't need the Bible. I don't need to go to the church. I don't need all this stuff. I'm doing okay and I can do it on my own. We all desperately need a shepherd. And I think we, we, we kind of know this. With, without a shepherd, and we've seen this in our lives and the lives of the people around us, that people stray away, don't they? The, 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 the term that we hear today is deconstruction. Everybody's deconstructing their faith to understand uh, what is going on. They're, they're asking questions. Now, asking questions is, fant- is awesome. It's fantastic. It's great when you read in the text and you're asking questions of the text. You're trying to understand God better. But what's happening with this deconstruction movement is people are deconstructing it and not putting it back together. People are going through and asking questions, and instead of asking questions of the text, they're asking questions on YouTube. They're asking questions in Wikipedia. They're asking questions of people who have not read a lick of the Bible to begin with to say, well, the Bible's got all these errors in it. And if you really look at it, it contradicts itself and all these other things. And they say, well, there goes my faith. The guy on the Internet said it doesn't make sense. It's good to ask questions, but we need to ask those questions of the one who's able to answer them. You got to dive deeper into the text and understand what it is that it's saying before you can understand what it's not saying. When sheep are under a shepherd's care, all their needs are abundantly met. David says, I shall not want. It's the same for God and all the believers under his watchful care as well. Our God is all sufficient. Our God is, is inexhaustible. Our God is unchanging. All God's sheep shall not want. They lack nothing that is good. They lack nothing that is necessary for enjoying life to its fullest extent. What happens when I come to a point in my life where I don't have something that I need? Have you asked yourself that question? What happens? Well, you didn't need it. If you needed it, God would provide. If you needed it, then, then you should ought to trust uh, your God to, to, to give it to you, to, to show you through the way. Life for Christians is not about accomplishing what you want in any given circumstance. It's about trusting a shepherd to accomplish what he knows is best in every given circumstance. We want to follow our own thoughts, ideas, and plans instead of looking to God. He's the one that rightly has the purpose for us in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, it says, I shall not want. Verse 2 says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I freely admit that I'm a sheep. I'm not ashamed to say that. I, uh, I mess up quite often. I, uh, especially when I am, I'm driving around. I've got to use a GPS. I'm going to admit that. 
Uh, people say I should have my man card taken away because I don't have an internal compass that will get me from A to B easily. Um, you know, even places I've been through a couple of times, I still need to use a GPS sometimes. Because sometimes my mind starts wandering and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I missed my turn. How did I get here? So as we, we look at this, um, sheep have no sense of direction and they can also easily get lost, even the most familiar environment. So they easily go astray. They're, they're prone to wandering. The shepherd must continually guide them in the paths of righteousness. They get on the right path, and they, would, uh, they are to be moved from field to field without falling into deep crevices or, or, or on a jagged cliff. They would just walk along, and they see a bird in the sky, and they're just walking along, don't even notice there's a cliff. Have no idea what's going on. In the same way, God, by his word and the spirit, guides us, his, his flock, effectively in the right way. God does this all for his name's sake. He doesn't do this to make you special and important. He does it for his own honor. He does it for his own glory. Even when we sin and go astray, God is committed to leading us back to the right path. And praise God for that. I don't know about you, but I've gone astray many, many times. And I am so grateful that he's come after me and set me back on the right path. He's shown me the error in my ways. And he's shown me how I've sinned against him. I begged him for uh, forgiveness. And he's been faithful to do it every single time and put me back on the right path. But me being boneheaded, I often still see myself going astray and astray. But he keeps picking me up and putting me back where he wants me to be. Romans 3 and 10 and through 12 says, No one is righteous. No, not one. People say, well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You are not a good person. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside and together have become worthless. No one does good. No, not one. That includes you, as good as you may think. Paul says, even on your best day, your good stuff is like filthy rags. And it's only because of the blood of Jesus that we can be anything in our lives. That we can do anything at all is because of him. Look with me in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I ever feel no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Wow. He says he supplies all of our needs, and yet our cup overflows. This, this shepherd leads his flock from one grazing place to another. This involves passing through narrow valleys between high jagged cliffs and often be filled with potential dangers such as wild animals and things of that nature. So the, the sun would be obstructed from shining into this valley. It would be a deep, scary place, creating darkness and shadows. The shadows would become a place of death and wandering for sheep. This, uh, these valleys, these crevices, they're hiding places for the adversary. 
is a dangerous place that we have to go through in order to get to the green pastures. When we become Christians, it's not like everything is good all of a sudden. It's not like we got our stuff together and uh, everything is going to be perfect in our lives. We have to go through the valley of the shadow of death in order to get to the green pastures. How do we appreciate the green pastures without going through the valley? If, if we were to imagine a perfect world and everything is set right and our, our lives are as good as it gets, I think we would take that for granted. Just as much as when, when, I, when we started here today and I said, well, we get to open up God's word and we get to, to worship and sing to him without any worries about anybody coming through and, and persecuting us. We take that for granted. It's, we got it too good. We don't think about those things. Our brothers and sisters who are right now getting slaughtered because of their faith. And we sit in our comfy chairs and we decide whether we want to come to worship or not. Those brothers and sisters would, would die to switch places. And they are dying to, 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 to the want to switch places with you. They're dying for, for their faith, for our faith, for our Lord, for their shepherd. The shepherd's rod, when he used this, it was, is usually a, a club that was about two feet long and it would be used to defend the flock. So um, when wild animals would come, he, uh, the shepherd would come out and, and use the rod in order to fight against them. And even if it was a lion or bears or, or whatever it was, they would come and they would defend the flock, uh, guiding, protecting his sheep. And then uh, the shepherd also had a crook. And it was bent and, and crooked at, at one end. And it was used to pry the sheep. Uh, the sheep would go in and they get stuck in a bush or a thicket. And, and the shepherd would have to come and, and try to pull them out with the, the crook. They would have to the, pull the fallen sheep out of holes. Or when they strayed from the path, it, it was used to pull them back to lead them along the narrow path or to drive off snakes or whatever have you. These tools were sources of comfort for the fearful sheep and for David himself. He lived his life often surrounded by multiple dangers, yet God's word and his loving hand were the most effective means of guiding and guarding his faithful servant, David. Sometimes we need correction in order to understand where we are to get back to the narrow path. And here you get a sense for how comfortable David is. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What happens when you're afraid? And what happens when somebody jumps out from a corner, you, you get back and you want to run? If, if somebody is, is going, if something happens outside of you, or you hear a gunshot or, or something like that, are, are you going to walk? You're going to run. Because you're afraid. But David is so comfortable. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk, I'm, I'm not going to fear any evil. David here says he's going to walk through. And it's not because he's strong or he can take anything that comes his way. And he was strong. But he knew it wasn't of his own strength. It wasn't because he was smart enough to navigate his way through. We might think that. He was smart, but he uh, wasn't the smartest 
He, he needed the Lord's uh, confidence. He needed the Lord's strength. He needed the Lord's wisdom. It wasn't because of him. It was because the Lord was his shepherd. And likewise, it's not because of you. Hopefully the same is true, that the Lord is your shepherd. Not because of anything in you. But as the psalmist says, speaking of the Lord, he says, you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff comfort me. He says, you prepare a table. You anoint my head with oil. You, you, you. Not because of me. The Lord is my shepherd. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, there will be hard days. There will be struggles in this life. You will go through the valleys of the shadow of death. You will lose loved ones. You'll have bills you need to come up with the money for. You'll have hard times at your jobs. You'll have difficult relationships. But in these moments, we need to remember that we're being led by a good shepherd. We have to remember that he's leading us to green pastures. We're not always going to be in the valley of the shadow of death if we're following our shepherd. He's going to lead us to green pastures. He's going to uh, lead us beside still waters. And he's going to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We can find comfort in him even in the midst of darkness. And now verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When a person has Christ in their life, they have everything they need because Christ is everything. Christ is able to meet every need. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the creator and sustainer of all, the infinite God who can meet whatever needs that we might have. And it's because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives, that we, we never lack in anything. We never lack anything that we truly need in the will of God. Christ is there uh, for our peace. He's there for our protection in every situation. What a blessing it is for every believer. Pictured here as, as weak sheep, uh, as a weary traveler, what a blessing it is to know Christ, the good shepherd. To know him as a gracious host. To know that he is sufficient for any and all of our needs. Christ is our source and abundant supply for meeting everything that we could ask for. As I mentioned earlier, this has a special place in my heart. Some of you have heard this story, but every time I read through uh, the 23rd Psalm, I, I think about my granny. It's just hard for me not to because of, I mean, it's because of her that um, in many cases that I'm here today. That I know this portion of Scripture especially is because of her. I spent a lot of time with her when I was growing up and helping her around the house and taking her to doctor's appointments and things of the nature. She played a huge role in my spiritual growth. We would sit together, listen to sermons on the radio, and read um, scripture together. And as I mentioned, 23rd, the 23rd Psalm was her favorite verse. And she, she'd quiz me, like, okay, 
what does it say now? What does it say again? Are you sure it says that? And she tried to trip me up and put different words in. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what it is. It's this one. No, she didn't want me to forget who I belong to. She didn't want me to forget who my Lord and Savior was. She didn't want me to forget that the Lord was my shepherd. She knew that I would need to be reminded of this going on the way as I was going through the shadow of, the, shadow of the valley of death. She knew I would need to be reminded of this and that green pastures were on the way. When I was in college, I got a call uh, from my mother that she just wasn't doing well. And um, that they assumed, they thought, because you know everything was going on, that she would pass soon. So I dropped everything I had uh, to do and went to go see her. And as I saw her laying there in the, the hospital bed, you know, uh, she, she just laid there and kind of glassy-eyed. I don't even know if she recognized me. And she just kept saying, I'm falling, I'm falling. And she would uh, try to pull herself up on the railing. We're like, no, you're not falling. You're, you're fine. You're in the bed. But she just, I'm falling. I'm falling. And so as, as I'm there by her bedside, you know, I looked at her and I, I, uh, I said, uh, I remember what you always told me. I, I always remember the 23rd Psalm and what it says. And I started to recite it to her. And at that moment, when I started to recite it to her, 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 her eyes had life again. And she looked at me and she smiled with that familiar smile that I always had seen. And even though she didn't say anything, and I think she started to recognize me at that moment, but me uh, uh, saying the 23rd Psalm, just as we had done when I was a child, it was a reminder for her. It would cause her face to be lit up. After uh, that meeting, I drove home, which is a couple hours away, and about a week later, she passed. Uh, it was the first time I ever lost anybody significant in my life. You see, my belief that my granny needed a reminder. She needed a reminder that the Lord was her shepherd. She felt like she was falling, but when she heard those words about the Lord being her shepherd, she started to be comforted. She needed reminded that she lacked nothing. And even though in that moment she was passing through the valley of the shadow of death, she knew she was headed. She was headed toward green pastures. She knew that she had nothing left to fear. Death had no sting for her because Christ had already paid the penalty for her on her behalf. She needed to be reminded of his goodness and mercy that had followed already for her, followed her all the days of her life. She needed to be reminded that she would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is ultimately about the one who died in Psalm 22 so that we might live, we might have life in Psalm 23 and enjoy goodness and mercy that will follow all the days of our lives until we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is where the Lord has prepared a place for us.
my question to you this morning, is the Lord your shepherd? Does your life exemplify those words? Is God a priority for you in your life? Because if not, these words are no comfort for you. If you are not following the Lord, then you're headed to eternal damnation because of your sin. My question to you is, have you submitted your life to him? Have you submitted your life to, to live for him and what it is that you've, what, what he's done for you? To acknowledge that he's paid the, the, the debt of sin on your behalf. If you haven't yet done that, I urge you to do that today. I'm begging you to do that today. I found out um, just this past week, a guy I went to high school with, um, he was a year older than me, he passed away. I'm reading on Facebook and I'm like, rest, what do you mean, rest in peace? What happened? I still don't know what happened to him, but um, man, tomorrow is not promised. As we go through this life, I want this to be a comfort to you because the Lord is your shepherd, that you allow him to, to bring you back on the narrow path of when you go astray that he is a priority for you in your life, that you would go to him and worship, not just in, in corporate worship here, but you would spend the other six days, the other 176 hours of your week with him in prayer and in, 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 in your scripture, and that you would come together with his body of believers to be strengthened. If you've not made the decision to follow him in your life, I encourage you to do so today. Choose today who you will serve and realize that we've constructed idols in our hearts. As good as family is, they can be an idol for us. As good as our jobs can be, they can be an idol for us. And I pray that you will put God first. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, these words of encouragement here today. So encouraging to know that regardless of what's going on in our lives, that if we would choose to follow you, that you would lead us on the path, that you would give us everything that we truly and honestly need. And even though when times are tough and we do go through the valley of the, the shadow of darkness, that you are still with us, that your rod and the staff, they, they comfort us. You do all these things for us and give us the comfort to know that you would do this for all of our days when we follow you. Help us to live out the things that we read here today. Let us not take for granted what it is that you've done for us. And let our lives exemplify what it is that you uh, taught to us and who is our master, who is our Lord, who is our Savior. Let our lives reflect that. Give us the courage, give us the wisdom to be obedient to you. But let's not just stop there. Father, help us to go and share this good news to those who need to hear it, those who are in, in our, our circles, those people that we encounter. Let us not keep this to ourselves. When they're looking for a hope in this hopeless world, that you put the words in our mouth to say what it is that needs to be said to speak to their heart so that they might be transformed and they might also submit their lives to you and accept the free gift that is available so that we would know that you would do this all the days of their lives as well as we seek to dwell in the house of the Lord 
for the rest of our days. Father, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice here who has not made the public confession to you, who has not been baptized um, uh, out of obedience to you, Father, speak to them right now that they make that choice for you, that they decide to, to change their lives because of what you did for them on the cross. Father, we thank you for these blessings and all these things that you've done for us. And we thank you for your son. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.